This is Angel Miller with The Spiritual Survival, and uh, inspired by my conversation a few weeks back with uh, author Aki Cedarberg, I've decided to do a regular series of interviews with uh, important authors in the world of esotericism, uh, martial arts, and uh, self-development more broadly. And a couple of people I can tell you that we definitely will be interviewing are uh, Don Webb, who's an occult author, um, especially in the world of the left-hand path, and uh, Richard Kaczynski, uh, who's an expert and a scholar on Alistair Crowley and uh, the Ordo Templi Orientis, uh, which one uh, YouTube commenter was actually asking me about. So hopefully he'll get some answers there. Um, you can find uh, the interviews posted on the regular YouTube uh, Spiritual Survival channel. And I'll also be posting these on Spotify as well. Uh, the YouTube channel will also uh, continue to uh, include videos by me talking about different spiritual subjects. Uh, whereas the Spotify channel won't, so you might want to check out one or the other. Uh, tonight we're going to be speaking with Tor Apollonius, the Grand Commander of the Aesthetic Rose Choir Order of the Temple and the Grail, which is a lesser-known Rosicrucian order, which goes back to Paladin, uh, who uh, lived and was active during the latter half of the 19th century, and uh, the first couple of decades of the 20th century. So it has a, a fair history behind it. Uh, I hope you enjoy the interview and, uh, and those interviews to come. Thanks very much. Tor Apollonius, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me on. Thank you. Now, you're the Grand Commander of the Aesthetic Rose Choir Order of the Temple and the Grail. And uh, we're going to be discussing um, the history of the order and what it is exactly. Um, but in brief, it's a an, an initiatic order with a special emphasis that we'll get into within the Rosicrucian uh, and sort of esoteric Christianity uh, spectrum, let's say. That's so, correct. I, I think in addition to esoteric Christianity, I would emphasize Hermeticism, alchemy, Kabbalah, we have a, a particular inspiration from the aesthetic of the uh, Ellicinian tra tradition and Orphic tradition. Right, right. Okay, great. So perhaps you could just, um, first of all, just give us a little bit of your background and how you became involved in the order uh, and related orders and, um, and uh, just your personal journey in, uh, in esotericism. Sure, my original involvement was with the Gnostic Church, l'Eglise Gnostique Apostolique, and that was uh, with the church in North America, and soon after that I became involved with the Martinist Order, the ancient Martinist Order, that had just come together in the year 2000 in Evansville, Indiana. And out of that group of individuals who were operating the Gnostic Church, the Martinist Order, there was also a Rosicrucian Order of the Temple and the Grail. At that point, this, this group was operating a number of the related esoteric orders that usually come under the parasol of the bishops of the Gnostic Church, those being Martinism, Rosicrucianism and uh, Masonic orders such as the Memphis Mizraim. And I became involved with uh, that group of individuals 
and the person who was the grand master of the ancient Martinist order at the time, John Cole. And also he was the head of the Blue Lodges of Memphis Mizraim, uh, auxiliary bishop of the Gnostic Church for the Midwest, and the grand commander of the Rosicrucian order of the Temple and the Grail. And so that was my initial involvement with these groups in 2000. Over the years, as I became more involved, uh, the the generation of individuals who were leading those orders um, passed away, unfortunately, and I became more involved uh, toward the end of some of their tenures, uh, closer to 2015. And as we were approaching a, a synod of the Gnostic Church in 2017, the Guggenheim Museum in New York City was offering the Salons of the Rose Quad, the many of the original artworks that had appeared in Peladon Salons. And so we thought that the perfect opportunity to revive the aesthetic mission of the Rosicrucian Order, taking the lineages that we had and emphasizing the aesthetic tradition as Peladon did. Right, right. Because the the aesthetic rose choir is more involved in art and music and so on, as I understand it. Yes, and this was my own particular emphasis and maybe what led me mostly to um, putting some of my energies into reviving or restoring that emphasis within the Rosicrucian tradition that we already held, because my own background was in both biology and music. Okay. And I took a particular interest in the aesthetic power of music and uh, how it relates to biomusicology and the way in which we experience art and inspiration. So through that, I had I had long taken a deep interest in uh, ancient Greek religion and the figure of Orpheus, who Peladon emphasizes uh, very much in, in Delville and their artwork. And uh, that, that I think, led very naturally to this being uh, an area of emphasis for me personally. Right, right. And um, so, you, so you mentioned uh, a few different orders that, that come together. Um, in your lineage, and also uh, the figure of Peladan. And um, you know, maybe you should just mention, because you mentioned um, the, the Martinists and the Rosicrucians and the uh, right of Memphis and Mizraim. And um, perhaps you could just, uh, first of all, just explain a little bit about what they are and the differences between them. Well, I think there are many people who would say that Martinism is uh, a permutation of sorts of Rosicrucianism. There are people who perhaps would say that Masonry um, has some vestiges of Rosicrucian, uh, Rosicrucian philosophy right. and within it. Uh, even people who would say that the revival of the Gnostic Church in the 1880s was, 1880s, 1890s was, uh, something that before what they called the restoration of the Gnosis was all that there were Gnostic traditions um, being promoted and preserved through Rosicrucians over the ages. Right. And so in a way, 
a you know while while many people may see these as separate orders and we do maintain their separateness in the sense that we are not syncretic with their rituals as as often has taken the place throughout the 20th century uh, we we try to distinguish between the traditions um, however I think that they uh, are all the same family right and within the tradition itself this is always how they have been viewed um, they are they are sovereign orders in and of themselves but all under the same umbrella and the protection of the same individuals typically yeah. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Memphis and Mizraim, uh, you were mentioning masonry, and that's considered to be, uh, uh, I believe, an ir irregular Masonic, right, in the US. So not very f many uh, Freemasons would, would join that at all. In the US, that's correct. Yeah. But and from what I've seen of the Memphis and Mizraim, it seems to be uh, very influenced by sort of the Christian mysticism of, of Rosicrucianism, which itself was influenced by Hermeticism and ancient Greek mythology and thought. And um, it seems to be very influenced by alchemy as well, from what I have seen, um, which kind of ties it to the other orders in a certain respects. But how do all these things uh, coalesce? Because it seems like you have a few different streams, you know, Christian mysticism, ancient Greek thought, alchemy, hermeticism, and so on. I suppose the common thread that unites them all is a sense of uh, pursuing philosophy or wisdom traditions in general, mm. um, being instructed, in other words, by the book of nature rather than dogma or doctrine. Mm. Uh, this certainly is a line that goes through all of these traditions. I, I also believe that um, the development of chivalry or virtue is as a code of conduct and as a way of living is something that typifies uh, all of these groups. Mm. And then, of course, theurgy or the regular praise and glory of God uh, through ritual um, I think that these three things, the philosophy or wisdom, uh, virtue and chivalry and theurgy are, are what actually unite all of these traditions. And then they have their various emphases. So Memphis and Mizraim, typically in a Memphis and Mizraim lodge, you're going to have an Egyptian aesthetic and hermetic aesthetic mm. early um, in a in the Rosecroix Kabbalistique uh, of Papas de Guaita and Peladon, you're going to have the Kabbalistic emphasis. In the Gnostic Church, you're going to be emphasizing the early Gnostic mysteries. Um, so they all sort of are not not literally the same individuals and same ideas, but many overlap. Mm -hmm. And I would say within the tradition or family. Um, there is an inner consistency among them. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and you mentioned Peladan and Pappas, and perhaps you could uh, just ex explain who they are and, and why they're important and, um, and uh, how they link to these different traditions. Well, Pappas, uh, Dr. Gerard and Cole, was a... Uh, a very well-known occultist in the French occult revival and was the founder of the Martinist order. 
he seemed to have a particular mission to uh, to collect many of the esoteric teachings that were were around at the time and to preserve them. Mm. And he is the one who essentially took the initiation that existed among many people who had received uh, or who were said to have received the initiation, the initiation of uh, Louis Claude de Saint Martin, and created that into an order. Mm. This uh, this was um, someone who was very central to the occult tradition, and he also, by the way, was uh, a, a physician and the head of the hypnosis department of the Hospital of, of Charity in, uh. in France, and so I, I believe in Lyon. And... So uh, not just an occultist, but also a physician and healer who had studied under the famous Master Philippe. And then you mm. have, uh, who, who was a, a humble butcher, but also a, a, a profoundly respected healer. Um, then you had Peladon, who was quite a different personality. And I'm no, I'm no historical expert on these personalities, but mm. what I do understand is that Peladon is an art critic and... Um, and and writer and and uh, he was a playwright and an author. Um, Paladon was uh, quite a personality, and he was, um, in many ways, people sort of attacked his personality. But I think that that Peladon was emphasizing that uh, a personality can be sort of like the the kernel that the, you know, that the, the pearl forms around uh, mm-hmm. the reality itself can be a, like Pappas or Peladon or any of these figures that we discuss can be a, uh, a central figure around whom ideas and other people coalesce. They had their falling out when they were, uh, in the Rosecroix Kabbalistique, the OKRC together, Mm-hmm. As uh, Peladon believed that Pappas was too much into magic and occultism, and Pappas believed that Peladon was too much into the Roman Catholic Church. Right, right. Was the basis of their uh, their falling out, essentially, mm-hmm. from what I understand. And uh, so this is one of the interesting things, perhaps, uh, and maybe even even seemingly contradictory to the outside, of having an order. Uh, such as the modern aesthetic Rosicrucian order that combines really the lineages uh, of Pappas and Peladon because um, initiatically we possess we possess both. We're probably a little bit closer to the lineage of Pappas than we are to that of Peladon uh, uh, directly through Pappas's son, Philippe Encos. Uh, hopefully in, in a way we are... Uh, Maybe we're bringing them back together in harmony. Right, right, right. Yeah. And um, so, how how have these orders developed over the last uh, decade or so? You, you mentioned uh, the exhibition at the uh, Guggenheim Museum, I think it was, um, about a decade ago, which had the, the many of the paintings from um, Peladan's Rosecroix Salon in Paris, and. Um, what is the order uh, doing today? Well, since 2017, uh, when when we 
originally when the Synod of the Gnostic Church uh, made the decision to authorize the reformation of the order. Uh, and I should be specific about this. The um, what what makes a chivalric order actually a chivalric order is that it is consecrated by a bishop. And so the the primate of the Gnostic Church, with the authorization of the Synod of the Gnostic Church, uh, consecrated, uh, or I should say, uh, yeah, consecrated the Aesthetic Rosicrucian Order. Mm-hmm. And there in the salons, we actually uh, signed the foundation document of the order on the anniversary of the, of the same date that Peladon formed his order on uh, August 23rd. And since then, uh, the order has expanded into 13 countries, including the United States, um, U.S., Canada, Brazil, Mexico, in this hemisphere, and then in Europe, France, Germany, Spain, U.K., Sweden. We even have groups in, or I should say, some are groups, some are individuals, in Philippines, Israel, Korea, Nigeria. So we... We have had quite a bit of interest, and I usually yeah. that the people who are interested, they find our order because they do have that particular love of the aesthetic mission. Mm. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. So, so this, this is a, a spiritual and esoteric order um, that's emphasizing music and art and so on. So what is the, the role of uh, the aesthetic in um, spiritual development, and maybe in culture more broadly even? Maybe I need to understand the question a little bit better. Oh, sure. Yeah, so the aesthetic rose choir um, combines um, spiritual transcendence or spiritual development with art and music and so on but is, is there a purpose to music and art beyond me being merely aesthetic uh does it have a, a function i would say that we see art and music as the handmaiden of gnosis and this is one of the mottos that we have adopted for the aesthetic rosequois uh that art is the handmaiden of gnosis in other words that art and music the inspiration that we receive is a direct way of uh, of experiencing nature of experiencing the order that exists within nature it is a way of elevating mm. a man and i and and while we say that um as a scientific order you know because the rosicrucian order is not just uh what i would call a spiritual order but we are a philosophical order we're scientific order studying nature Mm. and so you know to the point of the aesthetic we take a particular interest in how we experience art what how and how we experience the sensations of inspiration for example there are i won't go on too long of a tangent about this but there are truly fascinating studies in terms of how we unconsciously experience uh pitch relationships uh, dynamics uh and how we have a pre-conscious experience with these even when we are in the womb and so Mm. uh, we have we have a particular interest in 
studying the experience of art and how that elevates us. And I would say perhaps uh, less specifically to biomusicology, we, uh, we acknowledge that uh, there is something that is unspoken that you can only experience uh, as uh, as inspiration, mm. and that that has a way of putting us directly in touch with the divine. Right, and so so art is the handmaiden of gnosis, and gnosis being a kind of um, transcendent experience that puts you in touch with God or the divine, and so on. Yes, although, yes, I would agree with that. And here I think it may be important to define gnosis originally right. simply as knowledge right. uh, in the, the true original sense of the word in, in ancient Greek. Um, but as gnosis has come to be uh, known over the ages uh, among early Gnostics and in modern Gnosticism, Yes, we would see Gnosis as a, a revelatory experience or a, a transcendent experience. Right. So not necessarily rational knowledge drawn from a book, but more experiential. Yes, very much in line with what uh, Louis-Claude de Saint-Martin might have called the Gnosis Cardias, or the knowledge of the heart. Okay. Yeah, so that, that reminds me a little bit of uh, Sufism with the, the way of the heart. Yes. Yeah. Um, and so once once someone is in the aesthetic uh, order of the rose choir, um, what are what kind of things would, would someone experience? Would there be practices or rituals or are you devoting yourself to art or uh, what, what what is it or what potentially could it be for someone? Our, our primary work is uh as i as i mentioned earlier is wisdom so there is there is study right the individual member participates in primarily on their own and we as a group are here to help and to guide and give resources um the the chivalric development uh or just the individual's self-development of virtue mm. uh, is a, a constant process of self-examination. Mm. And, and to this point, one of our regular practices uh, in the aesthetic Rosicrucian order is the, the practice of retrospection, which you see uh, among, uh, among the ancients, especially with Pythagoras, as a, as an examination, even a daily examination of uh, going going through the day and what could be done better and where the next mm. day we uh, can we repair the things that perhaps we did not do so good today. Mm. So as as individuals, we are participating in our own study. We're participating in a uh, a very conscientious and deliberate self examination for the purpose of self perfection. Uh, which ultimately, um, in the way that we look at it, uh, the, the goal of that is, of course, the evolution of the soul. And some might even say deification of the soul. Mm. The, uh, the practice that we participate in is that at regular times, uh, corresponding to um, certain astrological, uh, astrological or astronomical dates, rather, I should say astronomical, um, that, uh, there are regular times when we do more intently participate in that retrospective examination. And then okay. of course, 
as any esoteric order, we have our rituals that we participate in, hmm. both in groups and individually. Okay, and um, and the order I believe has uh, three three degrees. That's correct. We have the servitor degree, which is uh, not an initiatic degree, although it can be if a person is located where there is a a commandery of the mm. of the Rosaquois. That's what we call a chapter or a lodge of the Rosaquois, either a commandery or it can at times be called a priory. The servitor, uh, because a person can begin to participate in our work without being initiated, um, many of our members who are in other countries who have not been able to travel for initiation or servitor. Uh, then there's the initiatic grade of the equoyer or squire. Okay. And uh, then, of course, there's the chevalier or knight, which also because we are not exclusive in regard to sex, we have not only the knight but the dame. In the uh, in the rite of Memphis and Mizraim, I believe there's over ninety degrees, and uh, in the Rosequire there's th uh, three degrees, and I believe most Martinist orders have three degrees as well. So what is, what is the difference between those? Why why, for example, would you need to go through ninety degrees uh, as opposed to three degrees, or vice versa? We have for the aesthetic Rosicrucian order three degrees primarily for uh, the individuals who are not located where there's a commandery or priory, which is what we call a lodge of the ARC, they can uh, attain the, the grade of servitor or servant. And uh, this is not an initiatic degree. We do not initiate uh, virtually or do self-initiation or anything like that. None of our groups do. Uh, however, we do permit individuals to begin participating in some of the work that we do and some of the studies that we do. And so most of our members actually are in the grade of servitor because we have many people uh, internationally who have been unable to travel and receive initiation yet. Uh, the, the, the initiatic grade of equoyer or squire is uh, a grade beyond that. And then, of course, the person who attains the uh, after period of time and study and work uh, who wishes to go further may attain the chevalier or dame degree, uh, depending on whether they're male or female. Of course, we're not male exclusively. Uh, mm. None of our groups are, by the way. And so um, those are our three degrees, servitor, equoyer, and chevalier or dame. Mm. And then Beyond that, a person who uh, is authorized to initiate others and and lead a lead a group uh, may attain the commander. Yeah, and um, yeah. So obviously, we've had an initiate an initiatic order since uh, really since really before recorded history would appear, or at least in it we've had initiations into the uh, the world of the the divine and the world of spirits and so on and um, and the lineages that you represent uh, go back, you know, 150 years, maybe a little bit more than that. Um, Rosicrucianism has its origin actually in the early 1600s um, without getting into the complicated uh, windings of the history of Rosicrucian orders. But um, what what do you see as being uh, the purpose of, of initiatic orders today in our incredibly uh, secular world 
and a world that's becoming in a way more insular and more online and, and less uh, less about human interaction in person i do think that the group experience of initiatic orders is a fundamentally important one mm. uh, not only in modern times but uh throughout history that uh, the the sense of a family of individuals studying together and working together who support each other is one of the most important things that that we do in fact if you look to the fama fraternitatis one of the original uh, rosicrucian documents um, it, it discusses the unity and great secrecy and kindness toward one another mm. uh, that the Rosicrucians practiced. And so um, I, I do believe, especially these days, as we are so much, experiencing so much isolation um, in, in our electronic world, that uh, one of the things that these groups offer is a sense of community mm. and uh, people seeking others of like mind, especially when many of the ideas that we pursue are uh, often scoffed at mm. by those who may presume themselves to be superior in intelligence, uh, but actually may be ignorant of some of the, the workings of nature. Um, in, a, in another sense, uh, I, I think that the... Uh, the initiatic heritage of these groups is um, something that for very, very long has been about, uh, m most fundamentally, about healing. Uh, mm. it, it, would be, um, it would be a poor discussion on Rosicrucianism without bringing this up, that the uh, Rosicrucian order is all about, uh, in a way, all about curing the sick. Mm. And what we do outwardly to accomplish that um, in whatever way, whether that is through medicine, whether that is through philosophy, whether that is just by being good men and women, um, yeah. that fundamental to initiation for us in any of our groups is the healing of suffering right yeah and would you say that art in the uh, aesthetic rose choir or art in general can play a role in healing or i certainly would i think that this is something that um in modern times you know of course we do see art therapies and music mm. therapy um and maybe that's a uh while while I have great respect for those as fields, and so I don't mean any other anything otherwise by saying this, those are still maybe even superficial ways to look upon the role of art and music in healing. Mm -hmm. um, this is, of course, something that goes back to Plato and perhaps. Yes, it, w it would seem at least with art and, and music that it's the idea of create creating something beautiful or seeing something beautiful creates a kind of beautiful internal experience in in the individual whereas an ugly environment creates a kind of ugly personality as well i would agree with that yeah so where where can people find out about the aesthetic rose choir or any of the other orders that you are involved with or uh, and, and perhaps more importantly um what 
kind of steps would you recommend someone takes before they even uh, think about being initiated into an order? I think the first steps that I would take if I had interest in a Rosicrucian order would be to read the three basic documents of the Ro of Rosicrucianism, uh, which are the Confessio, the Fama, and the Chemical Wedding. I think anyone who is interested in Rosicrucianism and perhaps even in Martinism uh, should should study these documents um, to understand them before anything. Right. Uh, I think questioning oneself as to one's uh, purpose or motives is important because uh, I cannot I cannot speak for other orders, but at least in our groups and orders. Um, if a, if a person is joining in order to adopt a system or have, um, someone take them hand by hand, uh, hand in hand through conventicles or lessons, or just to go through a system of degrees for the sake of attaining degrees, I think that they would be disappointed. Hmm. Um, I think that these orders are more particularly for individuals who want uh, to come together with other people of like mind, but who in the operations of their own laboratories or oratories are intent upon bringing uh, God or the gods or deity into their homes mm -hmm. and into their lives in regular practice. And mm. so someone who would become a member of any of these groups should be uh, preparing themselves for a regular participation in synchrony with the with with nature at certain times of of the year at certain times of the month um whether those relate to the solar cycle or the lunar cycle or the zodiacal calendar um we keep ourselves on a regular participation of bringing deity into our lives into our homes and into our groups Hmm. Great. And so, uh, where can somebody get in contact with the Aesthetic Rose Choir? The best place, although there's not much information there, is the website of the Gnostic Church, which is apostolicgnosis.org. And at that website, there is a link to our initiatic affiliations. And the ones that are listed there are the Order Martiniste of North America and the Aesthetic Rose Claw. So that's a good place to go Great to contact our, our group. Excellent. Thanks very much. I appreciate you coming to speak with us. Glad to be on with you.